everybody. Happy Tuesday afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of Great Quarter Gals. This is the show where we talk all things female leadership and freight, the amazing things that women are doing in general, and also with respect to our industry. I'm Kaylee Nix. Joined with me as always is Grace Sharkey. And Grace, we've been on a bit of a hiatus. I think we've we've had two weeks of off shows, but now we're back and we've got a good one for you once again today. Yeah, everyone went back to school and we somehow uh, did the opposite of that. But here we go, ready to go, quarters ending, getting into that fall weather and uh, got some great stuff come down the, the pipeline. Of course, that's free here shortly too. So mm-hmm. good stuff. For- Absolutely. Peak season hitting right around the corner. We are like, what, 10 days away from the end of Q3. So people are starting to ramp things up. It's, it's starting to get really down to the wire for finishing out 2022 here. And with that, of course, comes volatility and uncertainty. And that's going to be the topic of today's show. We've got Christy Geibel with us today, who is joining us from Memphis, from Donovan, and we'll be excited to talk to her in just a little bit. But Grace, before we get there, let's get into our top stories today, starting off with September, which is Hispanic Heritage Month, and a very exciting kind of representation of Latino and Latina representation here in the freight industry. Yeah, so being it's actually interesting. It starts on September fifteenth and goes to October fifteenth. So it's almost a a mid month to mid month uh, <laughs> tradition. But yes, it is now Hispanic Heritage Month, and of course, we wanted to give a shout out to Latinos in the industry, and specifically, I wanted to find a group that was working, much like you know, women in trucking or other industry groups that are looking to make sure that the equity of that nationality is shown within the industry and supply chain as a whole. Um, it's interesting. I actually had um, John Kingston, one of our reporters on the show the other day, and we're talking about a lot of these areas within our industry, whether it's rail, warehousing, trucking, uh, and the fact that we, we are seeing this loss of labor or looking for more people to join. And it's, I go, John, you know, like, what's one area you think that we could improve in this first his first reaction was honestly um, you know, bringing uh, our, our immigration policies and leveraging different uh, people within the industry that we haven't looked for or invited in, maybe let's say, that we have better than we have in the past. And I think this is a perfect group. And what's interesting, uh, I found one group in particular that's actually very new. They started in 2016 called Latinos in Transit. And they work to bring more Latino equity into all different types of transportation. Um, clearly, we're looking at over the road, uh, last mile, on-demand delivery. But we're also looking at inner city transit, busing, et cetera, as well. Uh, what's interesting, uh, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, Latinos actually account for 16.1% of all people employed. Uh, and that's actually a little bit lower than the total average. We're at 17.2% of the 4 million uh, workers within transportation utilities industries are Latino, Latinos as well. So uh, this group is really interesting. If we can bring up their values, of course, they're looking to uh, make sure that they're working with industry professionals and industry groups to bring more diversity and inclusion and just have their voice heard better throughout the industry as well when it comes to different initiatives that they're working on. Uh, their overall goals, if we can bring that up, is to, of course, build a strong network of transportation professionals, celebrate Latinos and other minorities within our professions as well, and and work to make sure uh, a lot of the work that they do now is um, sponsorships and um, uh, scholarships for students who 
are looking to enter into various transportation fields. And I just did an episode about this on point of sale. There's so many different gaps that we're going to have as we start introducing technology, right? Like all of these autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, uh, the technology that we're putting inside the truck, like different types of ELDs, different types of visibility programs and softwares, even down to fintech. All of these areas are going to need more people in that technology. And uh, it's interesting, unlike some, for instance, like let's say a warehouse job, those engineering jobs are very specific and very uh, difficult to just quickly fill. We're going to need different minds, different thought processes, different people in order to achieve what we want to achieve here in the supply chain down, down the line. So um, big ups to Latinos in Transit. If you're looking to join their organization, they are really new and they're looking to build their uh, board up as well. You can go to latinosintransit.org to learn more about them too. I love that. And this really harps on a point that we were talking about this morning on Freight Waves Now with Mary O'Connell. We were focused kind of on cross-border freight. And I asked her to finish up the interview to talk about the opportunities that lie there and how ripe the market is for technological development, fintech development, especially when it comes to that U.S.-Mexico trade. And of course, the U.S.-Mexico trade is just one subset and, and Mexican workers are just one piece of the Latino umbrella but they are something that where Mexico is a now top trade partner with the United States. So that opportunity yeah. is is ripe for the taking and it's right there. And it's really, really encouraging to see that cross-border development support not only the U.S. economy, but the Mexican economy as well, as they are just our direct neighbor. And Grace, I think that we'll get to talk to Christy a little bit about this as well later on with some of her involvement. But let's move on to our second story this morning or this afternoon, that is. And we've got Erica Pergantz, who is joining us from ArcBest, Vice President of Data Science at ArcBest, who has won the Supply and Demand Chain Executives 2022 Woman in Supply Chain Award, which is awesome. That's a huge honor. And it really highlights her work in diversity and leadership within her team and in the work that she's done to solve some of these really critical supply chain challenges over the last two years or so. And Erica has been with ArcBest now for 18 years, so an incredible career there. Worked literally in every single aspect, kind of moving the ground up all the way from customer experience, starting off data development, to now leading this data science role. And it's just another thing that highlights that women can do hard things and can do great things in this industry if they're given the support to do that. A hundred percent. And guess what? Uh, ArcBest made the Freight Tech uh, 100, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to see what they continue to build, especially with that Molo acquisition, bringing that technology together into what they already had going at ArcBest. ArcBest is, uh, for me personally, I think one that I'm watching very closely when it comes to technology over the next five to 10 years. Uh, I think uh, with that mobile acquisition, I, I, I've heard from sales reps that they are grabbing a lot of those opportunities out there now on the truckload side. And now that they have all this data together and they have all these different customers and have uh, the book of business behind them, all it's going to take is some strong uh, independent individuals to start uh, implementing the technology behind it. So um, uh, overly, uh, she deserves this award and I'm sure she's part of the reason why they're on that Freight Tech 100. Let's see if they make that Freight Tech 25. Huge congrats to Erica. And of course, we will release that entire Freight Tech 25 and the winner of our Freight Tech 100 list on the last day of the Future Freight Festival right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's going to be November 3rd. 
Grace, that rounds out our news for the day. Let's go ahead and bring in Christy Geibel, who is Chief Operating Officer over at Dunavin. Our second face from Dunavin that we've had here, we had Melzi Wilson on, oh man, about six months ago on the show. So it's been a while since we've seen you guys, but big things happening in Memphis, big things happening at Dunavin. And Christy, we're excited to have you with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Big fan of the show. So we're glad to have you on. Give us a little bit of background about yourself, maybe how you got into your role at Dunavant, what you do there, and how you support kind of the mission of worldwide logistics. Absolutely. Uh, started Dunavant in March of 2020, days before the world shut down for COVID, <laughs> um, to the point that that Bill for the first year called me COVID Chrissy, saying that I brought it. But I joined the company in, in 2020, initially focusing on domestic and then the global supply chain, um, rolling into this position as the chief operating officer. So what does that mean? That means that I'm responsible for our operational and administrative functions across our seven different verticals in North America and Asia. Um, you know, what does that, that ultimately mean? Understanding who Donovan is. You know, mm-hmm. Donovan is a um, major provider from a non-asset and an asset-based perspective in the supply chain industry. From the asset side, we have warehouses. We have two intermodal trucking companies that run about 300 plus owner operators. We have container yards. Um, we also have chassis and provide an entire chassis leasing division. On the non-asset side, we are a licensed custom broker an NBOCC offering import, export, um, ocean or air. Domestic transportation, we do everything from managed domestic transportation, truckload, LTL, you know, small package or parcel. And our, our most recent vertical addition was the cross-border U.S.-Mexico services. So now we provide full intra-Mexico and all cross-border activities in and out of the U.S., so you started in 2020, and now you're overseeing the operations for freight forwarding, uh, cross-border, truckload, brokerage, absolutely every every player within the supply chain, really, it sounds like at this point. From your seat, and it's funny because it's like at this point, I don't know if you've even seen a normal market in your seat at this point, but uh, what is the landscape supply chain landscape look like from you now? Um, and what do you expect to see over the next couple of months, especially for what we assume will be the peak season? Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the industry that we're in has been challenging for quite some time mm-hmm. and will continue to be a challenge. Um, the one thing it's, it's proven to be is unpredictable. You know, over the last couple of years, you've had everything from COVID to geopolitical to um, you know, oil prices, all the way to this most recent potential rail strike. You know, I could be sitting here today on a Tuesday in a completely different landscape from a supply chain perspective in the States as I would have been five days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is, is how, you know, unpredictable and changing that it, it constantly is. You know, a friend of mine who, a very dear friend and a, a good businessman, always used to say to me, Chrissy, I am one phone call away from a situation that can change my life. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that over the last couple of years from a business standpoint. We've been one situation away from something that's altered the course for many companies. Um, and I don't see that necessarily changing. 
You know, right. there's, there's many factors still involved. The, the key piece is for companies to be flexible and responsive to those situations and to have the appropriate resources, such as a partner like Dunavant. So, Christy, when I think about Dunavant, you mentioned those seven verticals that you guys cover, but within those, the sub-aspects of each vertical, I think that kind of is like a spider web it right, is. that you guys kind of cover. Like Dunavant's at the middle. Each one of those verticals is in a circle around, but you have each piece interconnected. When something hits a piece of that web, every single piece of it shakes, right? And Dunavant in the middle has to figure out how to still it again and how to make it still viable. How do you handle that volatility? And how do you handle the difficulties that come with managing each individual piece of those verticals, but knowing that they're all still tied together. It's like a domino effect, right? You hit one, something else will fall over, which will make something else fall over. Absolutely. You know, the on the whole volatility side, you even talking about that, it makes me smile a little bit just because, you know, for so long, people asked, what did what did I do or what did Dun- what does Dunavent do? And you've had to explain the supply chain side, what it is, because you get that blank stare where now you're hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't understand it. And the question is exactly what you've asked from, from many people, whether it's existing, you know, new customers, things like that. How are you handling this volatility? How are you handling these changes? And my answer is pretty simple. We embrace it mm-hmm. at Dunavent. You know, that's, that's who we are. That's what we do. You know, we are solutions engineers as a whole. It is our job to provide the solutions to navigate the supply chain for each one of our customers' unique needs. And how we get to that, the core fundamental piece of Dunavant that's at the heart of that is a couple things. It's our human capital. It's the people. It's the technology. It's the commitment to our customers' experience. You know, that's how we navigate it. That the people that we have from the frontline people on the warehouse floor to the owner-operators who are delivering our loads, logistics providers who are, who are overseeing the transportation domestically or internationally. We all do this to provide solutions. It's what we do. It's who we are. And we work very well to do that as a company. And that's why we do say that Donovan as a whole is at the center of all logistics. We pull together nicely to create those solutions to solve our customers' problems. That's always been of our approach. You know, when we walk in and talk to a company, the very first thing we say is, what's your problem? Mm. What's your pain point? Let us solve that and we'll prove ourselves and then move throughout your network as needed. When you've been working with customers, especially over this last year, just rates all over, clearly just different conditions uh, across the globe, how have you, or what have you heard from your customers that are their biggest pain points? Where, where have those creative solutions had the most impact to uh, your business? Well, I mean, pain points, it's different for each customer's unique supply chain. Um, but there's been pain points, obviously, you know, bringing product into certain ports, um, getting out of certain countries. You know, it's it's been different for each one of them. And what we do is we look at their individual issue and create a solution around it. You know, some examples of things that that we've done, um, we were on the leading edge through COVID of chartering vessels when we needed to, to move a vast majority of our clients' product into the States to get that space. You know, from 
trucking and transloading when we needed to, to get the product on the shelf faster. Because at the end of the day, if we get that product on that shelf before someone else, then we've done our job for our customer. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a customer recently who said, I have, you know, visibility issues. I can't see things within my supply chain in certain, certain pockets, right? I'm losing visibility. So we, we looked at their network. We slightly changed their network, but we also moved it to where, you know, from the import perspective, it's being controlled by Donovan. We're bringing it into the port of Houston, where we're running 150 owner-operators, moving those containers from the port in Houston. We're bringing the product into our own warehouses and transloading the commodities there and overseeing the trucking all the way to final destination. At any point in that, we have full visibility for our clients of where their product is. If we foresee bottlenecks, we can pivot and work around that. I love that. And I love that it's, it really is about finding that one specific solution that works for the one client, not a one-size-fits-all solution for the entire company. I want to pivot a little bit to Memphis and to get your kind of thoughts on what goes on in the city of Memphis. When we talked to Bill Donovan, we were there at your guys' headquarters in Memphis as part of our Road to the Future of Supply Chain back in May of this year. And hearing him talk just about how much he loves the city of Memphis, the people that are there, the operations that are going on, was honestly kind of inspiring. Of course, Bill's on the Chamber of Commerce. He has a ton of pull and stuff that goes on, especially when it comes to this interstate kind of freight system that goes on. Y'all are right there on the border of Mississippi, border of Arkansas. And so you move a lot of state, a lot of freight across state into Memphis. There's a lot of movement that goes on there as well comes with its very own unique set of challenges, navigating kind of this multi-state approach to freight and infrastructure Mm -hmm. and things like that. But can you talk to us a little bit about the people in Memphis, the projects that are going on in Memphis, how they're supported from every aspect of the freight side, from the Class 1 railroads to the Blue Oval plant going in? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I could talk forever on this topic. (laughs) Um, You know, that was one of my biggest draws to, to Donovan when I joined the company and to build Donovan. You know, he's a a fifth-generation Memphian. Mm-hmm. I'm a born and raised Memphian, you know, went to the University of Memphis, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> but it's my home, you know, and it, I'm very, very proud to be a Memphian. There's a lot of great things going on on our side of the state. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, from from Blue Oval City, the, the amount of jobs that Ford is going to bring to West Tennessee, that is something that you know, my generation from my age is going to be a drastic change in the landscape of West Tennessee between now and the next 10, 15 years. You know, Memphis is the heart, in my opinion, of transportation. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, it's a distribution capital for us. You've got five class one railroads. You have one of the largest air cargo airports. There's so much freight moving in and out of Memphis and kind of that tri-state area, which makes it the exact spot for Donovan to be the center of it all. But a lot of great things happening in Memphis and a lot of great people in Mm -hmm. Memphis. Speaking of people, uh, clearly Great Corner Gals, we love to highlight the amazing (laughs) women in this industry. Uh, And more importantly, we like to share the stories of different women in the industry, especially those at your level of of how you've built your career and and gotten to the wonderful role that you're in now. Um, As clearly a woman in this industry, what have you learned? What are some of the basic or bigger lessons that you've um, taken on that 
maybe a, a woman just entering the industry today at a logistics uh, company could could take and, and run with in her career as well. Absolutely. So, you know, I started my career in college. Um, it, it was a situation where I was going to university, trying to pursue more of a sports medicine is what I thought I wanted to do at the time. And I somehow got talked into figuring out more about the supply chain and, and logistics side. And I ended up falling in love with it. Um, you know, my career has been based on a couple of things. One, I set the bar for myself very, very high. I'm constantly looking to um, achieve a higher goal. But more than anything was getting involved, making sure I had a seat at the table, you know, a voice at the table. Um, for young women today, do those things. Find opportunities to network. Um, find a, a mentor that you can talk to. Find a company that is willing to invest in you and spend time with you and, and really kind of develop who you are. Um, the biggest thing to get more people in this industry is going to be exposure. You know, just getting more people exposed. When I grew up in this, it wasn't there. You know, I mean, I was going through a supply chain degree when there weren't many women who did it. Now I'm very proud to say I see a lot more women involved in this side of the business and I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, my, I have a, a ninth grade son who is taking an intro to manufacturing class. In high school? In high school. Oh my gosh. Those things didn't <laughs> exist when I was in high school. So the biggest thing I'll, I'll say to young people, women or not, is find those opportunities. Take every job opportunity you can within a company, even if it's something less desirable. Because at the end of the day, you're going to gain knowledge. Knowledge is power, mm -hmm. and knowledge is something that no one can ever take away from you. 100%. I, I love that. And the more knowledge you have, the more opportunity yes. that comes knocking on, on your, your door? doorstep, for sure. So, Chrissy, to kind of round <laughs> things out, we know that being a C-suite role is often kind of like top-level, top-tier goals. But we don't like to just set our goals and hit them, right? Like, we like to push yeah. past. If you had to set yourself another goal, whether that's maybe professional, personal, getting more folks into the industry, what do you think is, is kind of your next overarching professional goal for yourself? I would definitely say I'm really focused right now on, you know, recruiting talent, bringing more people in the industry, giving back. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, that's, that's the joy. I love what I do. You have to love what you do to do this. 100%. And I love what I do. And, you know, I have been very, very blessed in my career to have some amazing mentors, um, to have a completely supportive group of people around me. And so I'm now at that point where my professional goal really is to be that for someone else, to help the teams at Donovan to grow, to flourish, to develop, and to be the best. I love that. Once you hit that pinnacle point, you got to reach down and grab the next person and help Absolutely. follow them up, right? Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for making the journey from West Tennessee here to Chattanooga. It's great to have you in Freight Alley. Got to talk F3. Can we expect to see you guys from Donovan? At we F3? will be there. Yes, we love it. Super excited. Grace, I know that you're excited for F3. We can't wait to have you back down here as well. 
Oh, super excited. Uh, especially, honestly, uh, I would rather not be in Michigan in November too. So uh, <laughs> excited to see that beautiful, beautiful city uh, at a time where I might be in snow. So very excited and excited to see you, Christy, and everyone, uh, all of our guests who I, you know, being remote, don't get to see. So um, a lot of handshaking, a lot of hugs for sure. <laughs> 100%. And so for folks who are watching this, who maybe want to participate in those handshakings and those hugs, of course, and to get to see the beautiful city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, head on over to live.freightwaves.com. You can purchase those F3 tickets. We're running a sale right now. It'll save you 900 bucks on that ticket. So you definitely want to get in and get those before they're gone. As we talk about all the time, Chattanooga is not known for its ton of hotel space. So they're going to fill up pretty quick and you might want to get one in before you miss out on that hotel space. So Grace, I know that you'll probably be crashing on my couch, let's be honest, because we're just going to be so crazy busy. But let's continue to talk about what's going on the rest of the week here at Freight Waves. You, of course, host Road Dog Radio, Drive Time with Grace Sharkey. Tell us a little bit about the radio show tonight. Yeah, uh, so uh, Thomas is going to be on with me uh, tonight. Uh, we had really a lot of fun last week giving out every single day free giveaways from uh, multiple companies for National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Got to call drivers on the phone and, and listen and hear more of their views, which was absolutely great. This week, we're celebrating not really celebrating, but honoring Rail Safety Week yesterday with uh, Operation Lifesaver. Today, Thomas and I are doing the show together. We've got Translow on this week uh, and um, a Denim who just rebranded from Axle Payments. So a lot of freight tech, a lot of fun and uh, excited to do the show. Check it out every day, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM, Road Dog Trucking Channel 146. And we will be live as well at F3. So you'll see us the stage there too. <laughs> if you don't introduce Thomas Wasson tonight as Thomas the Tank Engine Wasson to celebrate Rail Safety Week, you will have missed a huge opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, will do. No kidding. Yeah. So tune into that tonight, 5 to 7 p.m., Channel 146 on Sirius. You can catch us every Tuesday here for Great Quarter Gals at 3 o'clock Eastern time. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.